guys. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good to see you guys. Let me see your smile real quick if you're happy to be here. <laughs> if you're not, you'll hopefully you'll be smiling before the end of this thing. But good morning. My name is Mitchell, and I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch, and just so glad you guys are here. If you are new with us, like Larry said, stop by Next Steps right after the service uh, to get your gift, but then also to say hi to a few people. I'd love to shake your hand and say thanks for coming. And then one more time, those college students, where are you at? Show me your hands, college students. Come on. I know you're here. I know you're back. It's awesome. Streets are crowded in Fayetteville, restaurants, longer wait, but we're so glad you're here. And uh, hey, I'm, I'm serious about that retreat. It's going to be so fun. It's happening this weekend. Uh, I'm going to be a part of leading that with a few others. And um, even if you are a brand new college student or new to Antioch, I would encourage you to take the risk and come hang out with us this weekend. Spend some time together with some of these people that really love Jesus, and we're going to seek him. We're also going to go deep in relationship, have a lot of fun. We literally rented out an Airbnb kind of in Branson area right next to a lake. It's like three stories. It's so fun. And uh, we're going to have times of worship together, times to go hang out on the lake as well. So it would be an awesome, fun weekend for college students. So would encourage you guys to come. So sign up today. All right. Um, we are going to gonna jump into the message here. Uh, we are in week two of a new series that I'm titling The Lord is Gracious. Everybody say, The Lord is Gracious. Now, before I get into the message, we've uh, been doing this. Uh, we started last week. We're going to keep doing it throughout this series. Uh, I'm not going to read the main passage verse. We have invited some amazing kiddos from our Antioch Kids Ministry that are going to read the verses for us. And this morning, we have a treat. We got the one and only Liam Redding, who's going to come up here and read it with me. So come on up here, buddy. Look at this guy. Dude, you, after you read this, you can start preaching if you want to take my message from me. You want to do that or no? You just, okay, he says he's just going to read it and then go back and play with the kids. All right, you ready? You want me to hold it for you? The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abundant in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. His mercy is over all that he has made. Psalm 145, 8 through 9. Let's give it up for Liam. Way to go, buddy. <laughs> come on, come on. Give it up for Liam again. Let's go. Proud of you, man. Way to go, Liam. <laughs> hey, you want to show anybody some of your dance moves, Liam? No, you're good? Oh, oh, he's coming back. Woo! Hey, crank some jams. I'm just, go ahead. What, what you got? Show us. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Woo! All right, give it up for Liam. Ready? <laughs> Way to go, buddy. <laughs> got some proud parents on the front row right here. Oh, my gosh. Wow. He turned right around. <laughs> Woo. He did. We, we, we had a core team meeting a couple Sunday nights ago and had a little dance competition, and Liam won. So here we go. All right, guys. The Lord is gracious, and he is full of compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Does that sound like a great scripture to you guys? Oh, it's so good. So here is... Our hope and our goal throughout this series, one, is that we actually believe, can you, yeah, you can keep that scripture up there just for a little bit longer, that we actually believe this. That's goal number one. We believe this, but also we experience this. So what I'm hoping the Lord does throughout this series is he unravels kind of the false understandings of who we think God is, and he replaces it with truth, 
And then, because we are so filled with truth, that really this becomes our experience. Not that we can quote this verse, but when in your day-to-day life, when you think about the Lord, when you're alone in your car, when you're um, laying on your bed, when you're in the thick of school or work that you know and you remember, and you can like pause even just for a few seconds and know, oh my goodness, my God is gracious, and he's here with me right now. He's not condemning, but he is full of compassion. He's loving. He's good to me. That this is our daily experience of who God is in our life. That's our goal. And when we experience the truth of who God is, it leads to health and it leads to freedom. Anybody interested in health and freedom in your life? <laughs> me too. And, um, and particularly what we're doing throughout this series is we're taking this truth of who God is, that he is gracious, and we're applying it to our most common struggles. So oftentimes in our struggles, we like wonder at what God is feeling and thinking towards us while we're struggling and whatever we're struggling in. And here's the answer. When you're struggling with whatever you're struggling with, the Lord is gracious, and he's merciful, and he's slow to anger, and he's abounding in love and mercy to you. Isn't that great news? He's not waiting for you to get it all together. He's, he's waiting for you just to come to him to experience his open arms of love and mercy. And so some of the things that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, last week we talked about how the Lord is gracious even in our sin, this morning, we're talking about how he's gracious in our doubting. And then next week, Larry's going to preach on how he's gracious to us in our fears. And then we're going to talk about he's gracious in our pain and our hurt. He's paces, patient in our stress and anxiety. And he's patient and he's gracious in our insecurity. So let's talk about graciousness for a second. I gave you this slide last week. Let me just um, give you a few kind of summary points and also definitions that we're all kind of on the same page, all right? So uh, not that one, but there's another ver- slide that says, um, that defines what gracious means. I think we maybe have that, but that's a good quote. I s- read that last week, A.W. Tozer. What comes into our minds when we think about who God is is the most important things about us. But there's another slide that defines, uh, do you, you have that one? Uh, defines what gracious means. If not, I'm just going to read it. Ready? Here's the, uh, the definition in English. Gracious means to be courteous, kind, and pleasant. Any of you guys know some gracious people that are courteous, kind, and pleasant? Yeah? Anybody know some ungracious people? <laughs> Don't elbow anybody in this room, okay? Um, do you have it, Mason? If not, it's fine. I can move on. You don't have it? Okay. Um, the Hebrew word I share with you guys is uh, pronounced kanun, and only used as an attribute of God, and it's as hearing the cry of the troubled person who is in need. And I explained last week that this person in need that the Lord is gracious to is someone that got themselves in their own trouble. Okay, I share a story about my daughter Ava who just banged her head against my wife and just started wailing, and um, thankfully I didn't, I didn't get so mad at her. I can't believe you did that, but I was gracious and, and, and loving and grabbed her in my hands and er, my arms and, and prayed for her. And an imperfect father can show that to their child, how much more our heavenly and perfect father, when we're struggling, even when we get ourselves in our own messes, he will help us. He'll be gracious to us. He'll, he'll, he will be the one that reaches into our own pits and pulls us out. He is patient. He's not quick to snap at us. He's not waiting for us to mess up so he can correct us. He's not distant and disinterested. He's not frowning at you. He's ready to help you in your troubles and your struggles. And let me, before I get into this morning's message on Lord's gracious in our doubting, I, thankfully, when we do series, it gives me time to kind of reflect a little bit on, okay, what did I share last week, or what, what are some other elements kind of help us understand a couple things? So 
Here's a few reflections from last week that really stood out to me, which I encourage you. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to listen to that um, podcast because I kind of laid, I spent a lot of time laying a foundation on who God is as gracious. And so I encourage you to listen to that. But one thing I wanted to just emphasize this morning was, number one, we all need God to be gracious to us. No matter what your personality is, (laughs) you need God to be gracious to you. And the reason I say that is, you know, in a lighthearted way, some, I had a funny conversation with a friend uh, earlier this week, but some could, could mock, uh, mock this idea and say, I don't need God to be gracious to me. That's like weak stuff. I just want him to shoot me straight. Come on. I'm a man. Tell me what it's really like, all right? I just need God to shoot me straight, be rough to me. Well, let me comment on that. So one, if God was not gracious and gentle to you, you'd be dead. <laughs> okay, that's number one. Number two, most people that say that, it's a front. It's a facade. In pastoring hundreds of people over the years, those that say, come on, shoot me straight. Tell me like it is. I can't be offended. When you shoot them straight, they blow up, get defensive, and then leave. Anyway, so (laughs) don't be that person. Anyways, we all need God to be gracious to us. And then the second thing I was reflecting on was almost wanted to, like, give you an idea of what could be the opposite spirit or opposite tone or opposite attitude of the Lord being gracious, and one of the words that we talked about last week was condemning, but another word I want to bring up was accusatory. Already got the hmm. All right. If I say accusatory or accusation, there's several passages in Scripture that describes the devil, the enemy, as the accuser. One of them is in Revelation chapter 12, and it's this prophecy of, man, the enemy is going to be thrown down. He's the accuser of the brethren who accuses the people of God day and night. But then it says the people of God overcome the accuser by what? Anybody know? The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and? Yes, thanks, Emma. Way to go. Emma's going to preach the rest of this message. I'm just kidding. All right. So we overcome the accusations of the enemy by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and the truth that we love our lives not even unto death, which means like we're willing to stay faithful to Jesus even unto death. And the reason I want to bring this up is because it has been apparent to me lately that in our culture, on the news, um, on social media, even on podcasts, that there's like a, a growing escalation of an accusatory tone that we're hearing a lot of. Okay, think politics. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Entire campaigns are built around accusing the other person of how evil they are. Now, now listen, is it reality that some people have some things they need to work through that are wrong and off? Yes, absolutely true, everybody. But when the tone is very accusatory and doesn't seem like it has grace in it of, man, yeah, there's some problems, but, man, I sure hope you change. Or, man, yeah, there are some things you did wrong in the past, but, hey, let's believe for someone to humble himself and repent and change. If there's not a tone of grace and compassion and mercy and forgiveness that I want to just share with you guys this morning, it's probably not rooted in God. That is not what God sounds like. And so when you hear inner voices in your own self that, in a sense, are condemning, I can't believe you did that, or someone says that to you, I can't believe, come on, what's wrong with you? Just know that that's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. And when you see trends and posts and whatever that are drenched in accusation, don't jump on that train. That's not going the right direction. If there is people humbly bringing things up, but there's grace and compassion and a willingness to walk with people through their pain and junk and sin, man, that's gracious, and the Lord's on that train. 
So make sure you're on the right train. Look at your neighbor and say, make sure you're on the right train. <laughs> All right. Honestly, I could give a whole message on just that spirit of accusation, uh, but I'm not going to go there. I'm going to keep going with this message here, okay? So last week, we concluded that uh, not only can we look at verses like Psalm 145 to understand what God's like, but we also can look directly at Jesus. Hebrews 1.3, one of my favorite verses about this topic of how we look at Jesus and it shows us who God is. It says this, Hebrews 1.3, he's the radiance of the glory of God. The, I love this phrase, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So throughout this series, not only are we looking at Psalm 45, but we're looking at stories where people have an encounter with Jesus and we see how he responds. And what we're going to notice time and time again over these next six weeks is that he is so gracious. He is so gracious and compassionate. And last week we looked in John 8 um, with the story of the woman that was caught in adultery. And what she had was a face-to-face encounter with two things. One was her sin, and then the other was Jesus. And what we see really clearly as Jesus got rid of all the accusers, that accusation, that spirit of accusation, and he's, he's face-to-face with this lady. Even in the midst of her choices and her sin, he says, where are your accusers? I do not condemn you either. Now go and sin no more. And so what we talked about for us is in the midst of our sin, we do need to face it. But what we need more than anything is we need to lock eyes with Jesus in the midst of our sin and see his eyes of grace and compassion. Because you know what happened to that lady? She changed. (laughs) His grace does not keep us in our sin. His grace empowers us to overcome. His grace draws us into his eyes of love and mercy where you're like, I want more of that. This sin that I've been tasting, man, that, that pales, and that taste of that pales in comparison of, oh my goodness, I've tasted and seen. You're good, you're merciful, you're patient, you're loving, you accept me even in my brokenness. Ooh, it's good news. And it makes us want more and more and more of that. But what's, with sin in particular, I want us to remember this. Um, oftentimes, sin, there's a, uh, there's a weight to it. There's condemnation that comes quickly. There's shame. I talked about that last week that comes with it. And what it causes us to do is, in a sense, like, kind of put our head down and kind of like, we might be willing, if you've been around church long enough, you might be willing to, like, confess it to God. Lord, I'm sorry I did that. You might be willing to confess to a friend, like, hey, I messed up. You prayed for me. And all that is amazing, but really kind of what we're doing is kind of like head down, trying to forget it, maybe sharing it a little bit. But what we need to do is, like, get really raw and really real with God, lift our head up to him and say, God, here's my junk. <laughs> Help me. I need you. And then let the pause and let him, in a sense, respond to you. Be still and know that he's God. And I think what you're going to realize is that he still loves you and accepts you. And he's looking at you with eyes of grace and mercy. And when we encounter that, again, he doesn't leave us stuck in our sin. Encounters with his grace actually empower us to overcome. Such good news, guys. We have such an amazing God. Amen? He's so good. All right, well, this morning we're going to talk about how the Lord is gracious in our doubting. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 9. We're going to look at two stories, so Mark 9 and John 20. Uh, Both of these passages will be on the screen. Um, But highly encourage you to bring your uh, Bible with you to church next week. So Mark chapter 9 is where we're going to start. And let me, um, I'm not going to read this whole story because it's kind of long, but really what this story is, is it's a story of a father that has a son 
who is demonized or he's oppressed uh, by a demon, okay? And he's having a lot of problems. He's mute, but also every once in a while he gets thrown in fire or water. The demon, in a sense, is trying to kill this little boy, all right? And so we're going to pick up the story and in uh, Mark 9, verse 20, and what happened right before this, Jesus was on uh, what's commonly called as the Mount of Transfiguration. So he took with him Peter, James, and John. They had this amazing, epic encounter with the Lord. And then Jesus and his buddies are coming down from the mountain, and then they see something going on. There's a crowd of people. There's a stirring. And they find out that this dad brought his son to his other disciples, tried to get the demon cast out, but it wasn't working. So here we go. Verse 20 says this. You guys there? All right. It says, they brought the boy to him, to Jesus. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. But help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out, by anything but prayer. And some translations say fasting. The first thing I want to say about this passage is this is what we're reading to our three and four-year-olds this morning in kids' church. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's not what we're doing. Just a normal, normal, you know, day at the office for Jesus. <laughs> okay, pretty intense for us to see and read this, but it really happened. All right. But the main thing that we're going to circle back on later is looking at the response of the dad, the I believe, but help my unbelief. And then we're going to look at the response of Jesus uh, to that, that dad's plea. All right, so we'll come back to that a little bit later. Now I'm going to read another story from John chapter 20, verse 24 through 29. So flip there a little bit, John 20, 24 through 29. little context here. Jesus has already risen from the dead. And in a sense, most of his disciples are freaking out. Um, but a few of them believe, and they were gathering together. And then what I'm going to read is focusing on one of those disciples that was having a hard time doubting. So Mar- uh, John chapter 20, starting in verse 24, going through 29. It'll be on the screen again. It says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hand? Put out out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him and said, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So Thomas, one of the 12 disciples, though he walked with Jesus for years, saw him do amazing, incredible miracles, heard these convicting, 
but empowering messages from Jesus. Saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. Even this guy that walked so closely was struggling with some doubt. And so I'm going to dive into this passage a little bit later, but I just, the first point I want everybody in this room to know is that if you're struggling with doubt, you are not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. In Scripture, it's filled with people that doubted God. (laughs) And you're also not alone here. There are people in this room that are struggling with different things, specific things we're doubting God about, or even in general, are you even real? Where are you? And this morning, I just want to level the playing field and say we're, we're all in this together, and the Lord is gracious to us as we're wrestling through our doubts. Amen? So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the Lord to just help us kind of process this message, help us learn, help us receive, and that we would know that if we are struggling with doubt, that God is gracious to us. All right, let's pray. So, Lord, I just ask you to just have your way this morning. Lord, you know every single person in this room so perfectly. You know exactly what they're thinking. You know exactly what they're feeling. You know exactly the questions and the doubts that we have in this room. And, Lord, I pray this morning we would see you graciously looking at us, even in the midst of all of our questions, wanting to help us and inviting us close to you. Lord, speak to us, bring peace to our hearts, any wrestling that we might feel, Lord, I just ask for a quietness in our soul and a peace to wash over us and a trust and a faith to fill our hearts this morning. We need you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right, you guys ready to jump into this? Here we go. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say the word doubt? All right, look at your other neighbor and say the word faith. All right, all right. The neighbor you chose for faith must be your better friend. Okay, just kidding. All right, let's talk about, let's talk about, we're going to talk about the nature of doubt, the nature of faith for a second. Okay, so let's talk about doubt. For many Christians, doubting God can feel embarrassing. Okay, and, and because it's embarrassing, we tend to hide our doubts. And unfortunately, this doesn't help, but um, there are, <laughs> Some of us have experienced really shameful and hurtful words shared by probably very well-meaning Christians, but um, they just said things that hurt us and that make us want to hide our doubt more, such as, hey, stop doubting God so much. Just trust him more. Come on, have more faith. God's good. He's real. But what's interesting about that is it doesn't help. It usually leads us to hiding our doubts more, not bringing them up. But here's the deal. We all, every single one of us, have doubts. Now, if you're in this room and be like, no, I, I don't have doubt, any doubt at all. Well, let me say it a couple different ways. All of us have some questions. And one more way. <laughs> all of us have some things that we have not yet fully understood yet about God. R- right? Okay. <laughs> there are certain things for us that are, you know, based on our personality, based on our upbringing, based on different teachings we've heard. There's just certain things for some of us in this room that are just hard to believe. Okay, let me give you an example. Um, please be honest with me, all right? No lying in church. How many of you have ever heard a testimony on a microphone maybe of someone that experienced a miraculous physical healing yet had a thought in your mind that of, I don't know if that's true. All right, I see a few honest people. Come on. Gosh. I know what you're thinking, so does the Lord. Anyways, sometimes... <laughs> We do not believe it. Let me give you an example. This is funny. 
I used to, some of you know this, I used to be a college pastor in Texas before moving up here about three years ago to plant this church, and uh, we were uh, leading lots of college students, and we used to have a college service on Wednesday nights, and sometimes me and some of the leaders would gather, and we'd pray before the service, of course, for God's blessing and for his spirit to be poured out, but we would oftentimes also listen, just be still for just a minute, and see if the Lord brought anything to our minds that he specifically wanted to do. And one of those nights, um, this was probably about five or six years ago, one of those nights, I don't know if it was me or somebody else in the room, Larry might have been in the room, who knows, Jeremy might have been in the room, um, some of us felt like there was somebody that needed healing in their right ear, like maybe like deafness or something going on. So I wrote a couple of these things down, we go through the service, I get to the end of my message, and at the end, we're like having a time for prayer like we usually do here, and I list off a couple things like, hey, if, if, any, if any of you in this room are dealing with this stuff, we would love to pray for you. And then I list off this thing, like, hey, if you have pain in your right ear or, or loss of hearing or something. So the night goes on. I don't really know what's happening because I go sit down and worship a bunch of people who are receiving prayer. And then night's over. The service is over. Everyone's dismissing. And then I'm cleaning up with a few other people. And then there's one girl who's a room who at the time was a roommate of a girl on our college staff. And she was sticking around the church trying to help clean up. And it was literally me and, like, three girls in this big church building. And we're about to leave the foyer and, like, literally leave the night. And then one of those, that roommate, uh, her name's Kaylin, she uh, came up to me and said, Hey, Mitchell, did anybody come forward for that ear thing? <laughs> and, I, and I said, what do you mean? Like, yeah, did anybody, like, get prayer for that ear thing? I was like, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll ask our leaders later. And I said, why are you asking? She's like, well, I lost my hearing in my right ear, like, three years ago. I was like, did you get prayer? <laughs> and she said, no, that's weird. <laughs> okay. Which I laughed. I was like, okay, you're right. Yeah, it's weird sometimes for people, especially if this is new for you, but I am going to pray for you. You can't leave. And I had enough of a rapport with her that that wasn't weird. And I gathered her friends like, hey, we're going to pray for Kaylin and we're going to pray for her ear. And um, so I'm on, like, her left side, and then there's a friend over here. I don't know. Maybe it's somebody that moved up here with us. I don't know. Was over here on her right side a few feet away, and she just was like, I didn't know this at the time when I started to pray, but she was whispering over here just kind of see what would happen. And I literally just, like, I put my hand on her shoulder, and I was about to, like, do an introductory prayer. Jesus, you know, you're so good. I know you hear me, Lord. Let your will be done and heal her. You know, I literally, I don't even finish the name Jesus I say, G and then she screams. <laughs> and I said, what <laughs> is going on? I literally, I was like, I didn't say anything. I just said, G, I was about to try to say Jesus. She screams, and I was like, what? And she says, I can hear, I can hear, I can hear. And there's, again, like I said, there's this girl over here whispering, and she got close. I mean, and she's like, no, I can hear in this ear. Now, here's the deal. Here's the point of this message, or this story. I didn't believe her. <laughs> like, I knew her personality enough, like, mm, you know, she might be one that fakes it. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Kaylin. <laughs> She's following God now. She's great. Anyways, maybe I'll send her to this message. I, li I, I literally did not believe it. And I'm the one who prayed for her, which would have been so cool to be like, oh, look at me. I can heal people. Yeah. Like, like. I'm really not in it for fake stuff. So I was like, are you sure? Are you serious? And she's like, yes. And she even pulled out her phone and called her best friend. And here's how she started the conversation. Her friend answered. She says, hey, guess what? Remember when you hit me in my right ear and I went deaf three years ago? God just healed me. 
was like, oh my gosh. Physical healing, relational healing, <laughs> breakthrough day, let's go. And um, I, you know, I, I was blown away, but what I remember most about that story is like I didn't believe her, and so much so, like I, I kind of got there, I'm like, wow, that's so amazing. And I you know, left the conversation, I went home, I was like, really? Did you really just do that, God? I, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> but literally to the point where like multiple times that week, and then a couple months, and I've shared this story once or twice in a couple of messages. I'm like, years later, I'll like send a friend, like, hey, ask Kaylin, is she still here, healed in her ear? And she still is to this day. She can still hear in her right ear. <laughs> so anyways, the, the, again, the point of me saying that was like all of us have doubts on stuff like that, even those of us that are involved in seeing miraculous things. It's just easy for us sometimes to still question or doubt, did God really do that, or does God really do that, and if so, why doesn't it happen every time? So again, the, the reason I'm sharing this story is because I want you to know that it is normal for pastors, for people who have been following Jesus for a long time to still have some doubts and still have some questions, and so if that's you this morning, you're not alone, and I really want to encourage you not to hide your doubts, because when you let it out and share with somebody that's trusted, it, God will help you, and he is so gracious towards us in our doubting, and he wants to, to help us take steps forward. Now let's talk about faith for a second. Everybody say faith again. Okay, what is the nature of faith? What is God looking for in regards to faith? How much faith is enough faith? Again, this can be hard for many of us because we may have had pastors or teachers or other well-meaning Christians that have said things that weren't actually that helpful, such as, man, if you just would have more faith, things would be better for you. Or, hey, you're not seeing that answer to prayer or that miracle or that healing because you don't have enough faith. Now, here's one comment, side comment. It is important to note, as you look throughout the Gospels, Jesus does commend great faith. And he does rebuke a lack of faith. It is important to note that. But a better question is, what did he teach us about faith? He taught us that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. So apparently, enough faith to God is this much, and he can move mountains. That, is that good news for anybody of you in this room that might struggle a little bit with having faith sometimes or wondering if you have enough faith? Here's another funny thing that I looked at this week. Something else that could really encourage us if you're feeling like sometimes you're one of little faith is Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, um, there's, this pat, there's this long list of, of heroes in the faith, and it's, it, it kind of goes on and on about by faith, this person did that. By faith, this person did that. Okay, it's commonly called as like the hall of faith, all right? Now, what should encourage us is looking at who's in there. There's some people you would expect. Okay, Abraham made it, all right? Noah made it, built the boat before the rain. And then if some of you might know this character, Enoch. <laughs> Just look it up later. <laughs> He's great. Anyways, great guy. Gen Genesis. All right. But you know who else made the list of the Hall of Faith? Sarah, Abraham's wife, who literally laughed out loud when an angel told her husband that she was going to have a baby. She said, ha, ha, no way. She made the Hall of Faith, okay? Moses, which you might anticipate Moses because he did some cool things. But when the Lord called him, he was like, but, 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 but. But I can't, like, my speech. 
he had some doubts. All right, you know who else made the list? The Israelites. <laughs> Every time a pastor mentions the Israelites, <laughs> they're saying something about how dumb they are, how stupid they are, how much faith they didn't have, all right? But they made the hall of faith. This is Hebrews 11. Check me later. Gideon, listen, we know he, he won, but at first, when the Lord found him, he was hiding from the enemy. And last but not least, uh, there's a guy by the name of Barak, B-A-R-A-K. Not, I don't think it's Barack. It's not Obama. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is in Judges chapter 4 and 5. This was right when Deborah, the lady, was judging and leading the people of Israel. And they had some enemies surrounding them. And Deborah called out this guy, Barak, and said, hey, come on, fight for the people of Israel. Deborah's calling out this guy. And his response is, only if you go with me, Deborah. That guy made the hall of faith. <laughs> I'm just saying, that really encourages me when I feel weak, when I feel like I'm doubting, when I feel insecure, when I feel like I can't do things, and I'm asking somebody else for help. It's, it gives me some faith. That, man, maybe the Lord is looking for something a little bit different than what is obvious on the outside when it comes to our faith. It should really encourage us. The word faith in Scripture can also be translated belief or trust. Another way to say faith is believing who God said he is and will do what he said he will do. And it's important to remember that faith is directed toward God, not towards us. Which I, what I mean by that is it's not so much about the strength of our faith, but it's about the object of our faith. Now, the way to say that is it's much less about how much I believe something, and it's more about how true God is. He is faithful, and he is true. It just makes me think of uh, meditating on the return of Jesus. In Revelation 19, it says that the rider on the white horse, his name is faithful and true. That, that somehow bolsters my faith when I realize that one day everyone's going to see he was right. He's faithful. He's true. And I'm, it's deeply personal, personal to me because I'm not waiting for Jesus to return to reprove to the world that Christians were right. I'm actually not that interested in that. It's like this kind of, we have this camp mentality. I'm in this camp, and you're in that camp. We believe this, and you believe that. Jesus <laughs> didn't like camps, all right? He might like camping, but he didn't like camps. That's not what this is about. That's honestly, that kind of mindset is what's causing such divide and division in our nation. And the church needs to get out of that because Jesus is not in those camps. He walks a really narrow road. So it's not about when he returns, it's going to be see world. We were right. No, it's see he is faithful and he is true. And he really is the Messiah. And he really is coming and going to restore all things. Jesus is faithful and he is true. Amen? Amen. All right, what I want to do to kind of wrap up here is I want to give you a couple takeaways, hopefully some helpful things as we talk about the nature of doubt and faith. And I'll do a couple takeaways from each of those stories I read in Mark 9 and John 20, and then I'll give you a couple other kind of bonus takeaways that if you're struggling with doubt, the main thing I want you to know is you're not alone. Don't hide it. The Lord is gracious to you and he wants to help you. But here's a couple of things as well. Let's look at the slide kind of breaking down the, the father of the demonized boy here, okay? So um, here's a couple things. 
that I noted on this. And there's a slide up here you can take a picture of, all right? Well, there's going to be multiple points, so maybe wait for your picture until later. A potential cause of this father's doubt was um, pain, trauma, and hardship in life. His son really was going through some hard stuff, and it was very hard on this father as well. So for many of us in this room, we might experience some doubt because of pain, trauma, and hard things in our life. It's kind of like the question, man, if God is real, how can all this evil be happening, all this suffering happening in the world? Or you personalize and say, God is good, and he's real. Why are all these horrible things happening to me? And here's what I want to say. That, that question does not have an easy, quick fix answer. Because the majority of those that have that question are really struggling with deep pain, deep and personal loss and pain that's associated with that question. And what they need is not a quick fix answer. What you need, if you're struggling with this, is not a quick fix answer. You need the grace and the compassion of Jesus, often through another person, someone to sit with you, listen to what happened in your life, grieve with you, because when you have space to do that, it leads to healing. It leads to restoration. It leads to rebuilding of trust with God. So if you are struggling with that question or pain or trauma in your life, Here's my encouragement. Please tell someone in your life group. If you're not in a life group, please get in a life group. Get with people that really love God and have a solid foundation. Share with them the hard things that you've been through. Be really honest. Even if it means you're so mad at God, you need to tell somebody that. Let them walk with you. And you will find Jesus in your hard, painful, traumatic events. Because remember, when Jesus lived on the earth, he did not live a carefree and easygoing life. He experienced pain, injustice, and he was, he was murdered. So he understands the pain that comes with those questions. Now let's look at a couple other things here. The father's state, like kind of his response to Jesus in the midst of his pain was, I believe, but help my unbelief. Another way to say that is, Lord, I, w I want to believe, but I'm struggling to believe. And his response in a sense, Jesus is like, I can work with that. So if that's you this morning, I hope that it encourages you. That if you want to believe, but you're struggling to believe, the Lord can work with that. That's, that's at least the size of a mustard seed. He wants to help you. All right, let's shift gears here and look at Thomas. So Thomas, after the resurrection, another slide here. The potential cause of his doubt was disappointment, unmet expectations, and a leader that let him down. Think about this for a second. Jesus let him down. He had these hopes of Jesus literally kicking out the Romans and taking over now. His expectations were not met. He was disappointed, and the leader himself that he thought was going to do it, didn't. he died. Where is he? So for us, sometimes we think certain things will happen, but they don't. Or we think that God has spoken something very specific to us, but almost the opposite happens. Or someone we really look up to lets us down, and we begin to doubt and question a lot. Again, there's so much compassion if that is your story and something you are wrestling with, and God is gracious to you, and he wants to walk with you through this pain. But here's Thomas's state, okay? He seems like maybe a little bit of a different state than the father was of the demonized boy his his state what he said was unless i see in his hands the mark of the nails 
and placed my finger into the mark of the nails and placed my hand onto his side, I will never believe. But I want you to look at this. John 20, 27. It'll be back up there on the screen. Here's what Jesus said to Thomas. Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve but believe. That first sentence, does that sound familiar? What was he doing? Specifically and direct, directly answering Thomas's doubts. So here is Jesus' response to Thomas. He's like, I know your exact doubts, questions, and requests. I see you and I know you even in your doubting. If you're doubting and you've got really specific questions, things you're wrestling through, hopefully this is encouraging to you. Jesus knows exactly what you're doubting. He knows your exact questions. He knows exactly what you want, in a sense, to put your finger on or in. And he, he will answer you. But I want you to notice something about Thomas, which I'm going to mention again in a second. <laughs> Even though he was doubting, he was still in the room. It says eight days later, so he was with the disciples. They said Jesus rose from the dead. He's like, nah, I don't believe it, unless I blah, blah, blah. It says eight days later, they were all together, and Thomas was there. If you stay in the fight long enough, a lot of times your doubts and questions either get answered or, in a sense, resolved, where you realize, mm, this is not the main question that I need to have right now. It matters. You need to tell God. You need to tell trusted friends. And he is so faithful and so gracious to us to answer those doubts. But if you stay, just, you just got to stay in the fight. Keep showing up. All right, so here's a couple other things that I want to put up. There will be a slide. You can take pictures of these or write these down. They're really simple. But if you're struggling with doubt, again, remember, you're not alone. The Lord is gracious to you. You don't need to hide it. But here's a couple other kind of tips and takeaways uh, if you're struggling with doubt that help you kind of move forward. Okay, one is be real with God. God so desires for you to be real with him. Because here's what's so funny. When we are fake with him, he knows when we're fake. <laughs> okay, he sees right through us, all right? And there's some, Psalm 62, verse 8 is one of my favorite about this be real with God. It, it says, pour out your heart before him because he's a refuge for us. Tell him what you really feel. There's been so many times where I've really been wrestling and struggling with God, and I yell in my car to God. I'm not necessarily yelling at him, but I'm like, God, I need you so bad. I'm struggling with this. This is help me. And you know what I find? Every time he doesn't, like, get really mad at me and yell back. <laughs> he's, like, we want, he's like, come on, come on. What's, what's in there? Get it out. Be real with him. I mean, literally, look at the Psalms. Gosh, if you wonder if, you know, Christian people can be real with God, look at the Psalms. David was like, God, where the heck are you? <laughs> Multiple times. Almost every, every psalm. Anyways. Okay, be real with others. I've already mentioned this before. It's really important with trusted people that you know are following Jesus. You don't want to talk with somebody that's already an atheist and just like mad at God. And blah, blah, blah. It's like talk with someone that is rooted and grounded, and they want to walk with you and help you through your doubts. And you'll be so surprised when you share, I'm really questioning this. I guarantee you there's somebody else, probably even in just this room alone, 100, 150 people that have had that same exact doubt or question. You're not alone. And the last one, stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Just keep showing up. Even in your wrestling and your doubting and your questions, keep coming.
keep going. Stay in community. Stay with people. Don't try. Don't, like YouTube is not going to help you answer all your questions, though you might learn to fix a few things. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Amen. It's not the source of what you need in your soul if you're questioning and doubting things. All right, here's a few bonus tips, <laughs> especially in light of what I just said about YouTube. If you're struggling with doubt, here's three other things you can do. Put your phone down. Go ahead, just practice. If you have your phone, just, just, just put it down, like face down. Just try. Just try. Just, tr- just try it. I know. He's taking notes. He's good. <laughs> just, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting feeling, you know? It's an interesting feeling because, you know, you always feel it right here. And it's real easy. Just boom. been on campus a lot this week. This is what U of A students look like. Every one of them. Oh, a tree. Okay, just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's such an interesting feeling to just, just put it down. Because here, here's, what ha- here's what I mean by that. And it's connected to a couple of these other things. It allows you to be still and quiet. And when, when we're only focused on in our phone, and I'm not, I'm not against phone. I have a phone. I have an iPhone. All right? It's like, I don't know, iPhone 4. Uh, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's eight. And <laughs> when, you, when you're on your phone so much, what happens literally in your psyche is like that world, I'm on the phone again, this world becomes so real to you. This is your world. And this, what happens here, really laterally amongst other people or in the news, that is like becomes very, very, very real, most real to you. So when you put it down, when you have stillness and quiet, the Lord becomes a lot more real to you. And specifically, getting outside really helps. Multiple nights the last few weeks, uh, the kids are down, it's dark, I'll go outside, lay on my driveway, just look up at stars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought it was cool. <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're tight, we're tight. Wow, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, um, you know, it's just hard for me to lay there and look up to the vastness and see all these stars. And I, and I don't have my phone with me. I left it inside. And the world was okay. Anyways, um, and I, it's hard to stare at that and, like, think, that was an accident. That was just random. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to believe, oh my gosh, God is big and good and he's alive and he's creator. So I just encourage you, it's such so simple. Every one of you could do that. Just try it this week. Um, <laughs> and then tell Nicole <laughs> that you did it and then she'll say, great job. All right, last thing I want to say, band, go ahead and come on up. <laughs> the last thing I want to say is uh, or share a story of um, my sophomore year. Uh, I um, this is so random, but hopefully this is helpful to you guys. Um, I had a real random, unexpected, and hard kind of drought in doubt. <coughs> and literally, I, sophomore year of college, I had been following the Lord for maybe about three or four years, and like passionate for Him, leading some ministry stuff, and. And people knew me as like a passionate Christian that wanted to pray all the time on campus. And um, literally, I don't even know, I have a few ideas of maybe some seeds, but I literally woke up one day 
sophomore year, I think it was a Tuesday, I still remember, and I literally just had this intense wave of thought that sounded in the first person or whatever, like, God is not real. God is not real. Now, I don't know where it came from. Like I said, I mean, I had a neighbor that kind of had some interesting beliefs, and every time I see him outside, I tried to share the gospel with him, but then he would tell me about all of his YouTube videos. <laughs> and anyways, and um, or I would have multiple Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses that would come to my door and share things, and yeah, there's little sprinkles of probably some seeds in there of like, well, gosh, what, what is true? What is, I don't know. But literally, there were multiple days in a row where I felt like I couldn't shake it, and I was like, I was... If I was most honest, what I felt like was at those three or four days that week, I didn't believe God was real. And I don't, I even remember one, one of those days I pulled up to campus. Again, I was a college student. I pulled up to campus and parked. And I was in my car right before I got out. And I, and I literally out loud said, God, are you even real? So I had my doubts, and then I went ahead and asked God if he was real, <laughs> which some of you need to hear that. That's a great question to ask God if you're struggling. He likes that question. <laughs> I turned out okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I didn't hear anything. There's no booming voice, but I, like, I asked that, God, are you even real? And I was just quiet. And honestly, I don't even think anything happened. I was just quiet. And got out of the car, went to class, and that stuff. And, you know, maybe there's a little hint in my mind of, like, he's got, he's got me. I'm going to be okay. And here, here's my takeaway from that um, story of mine, because I don't remember, like, boom, everything shifted because this happened. I just struggling and talked to God about it. It was real. And I think my, my takeaway was, I waited, and I waited, and the Lord lifted that doubt. So I think for some of you in this room, one thing you need to know is if you are willing to wait, the Lord will help and will lift some doubt off your heart, mind, soul, whatever you're going through. And I just felt led to read a couple of verses about waiting on the Lord to close out our time, and then we're going to just worship. Psalms 46, verse 10. And I would encourage you as I read these, kind of like let the word of God just like wash over your mind. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalm 27.14 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. says, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. He increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint.
Last one, Psalm 73. Nevertheless, I am continually with you, Lord. You hold my right hand. Some of you this morning just need the Lord to hold your hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Close our eyes just for a second. Lord, you're gracious. Lord, you see us. Hold us, Lord, by our right hand. Guide us with your counsel. Lead us into your glory. Our flesh, our heart, our minds, our faith fails sometimes. But God, you are the strength of our hearts and our portion forever. We need you, Lord. We come to you with our doubts, come to you with our questions and our struggles. We lay them down to you this morning. We ask for your help. Thank you that you're gracious. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. All right, we're going to worship the Lord, and um, some of our life group leaders and staff, uh, in just like maybe one or two minutes, y'all can come forward up here to the front. Let's all worship just for a minute. We're going to sing a song about waiting on the Lord, and, and during this time, especially if you're new here at Antioch, we love to give space to respond to the Lord, not just personally and individually, but also like coming up, sharing with somebody else where you can see the love and mercy and grace of God in their eyes and allowing them to pray with you no matter what you're wrestling with and struggling with. So we'll have a few of our leaders and staff come forward to do that. Also, if you're in this room and you've never intentionally decided, I want to follow Jesus, I want to give my life to him, I want him to be my Lord and my Savior, then my encouragement is let today be your day. And someone, one of the leaders up here, would love to pray with you. Just tell them, I want to give my life to Jesus. I've been kind of far and distant from him, and I want to, I want to know him for real. We'd love to pray with you and pray for you. Bless worship. Band, you ready to lead us?